You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 10, episode 46. First podcast in a year. Uh, I'm John, and joined tonight by Andy from Press and Journal. You good, Andy? Evening, John. Just the two of us tonight. Just the two of us, yeah. We might be joined by Donald later on. We'll see. Uh, he's not giving me a signal or anything like that. He just said that something came up, so I will see anyway. But uh, good to have you back on again so quickly. Yeah, yeah. Glad to be back on and Happy New Year as well. Uh, did you have a good one? I did. Hi, hi. Uh, indeed. Um, I celebrated like yourself with a steak pie, but I wasn't so so clever as to make one myself. Oh, I'm not sure if clever is the right word. I was, uh, uh, that gave me the jitters as I was uh, preparing for that one. As long as it just gave you the jitters and not gave you anything else, bring me with jitters afterwards. <laughs> oh, I thankfully managed to avoid them. <laughs> it, it tasted nice. It wasn't a work of art, but it, it tasted quite good. So I, I was happy with my my effort. I would maybe do it again. Aye. So no more no more butcher steak pie. That'll be you. Homemade every time. I mean, to be fair, the butcher's ones are that, that cut above, aren't they? Um, as long as you have a steak pie uh, somewhere on the table... On New Year's Day, I think you're you're following tradition. It's uh, it's just what what you do, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. Um, but yeah, obviously, strange times in New Year. But plenty of football is always over the festive period. Um, and you've been lucky enough to be at a few games as well with with us County, haven't you? Yeah, I've been busy as ever. Really, um, there's been a lot of midweek games over the last wee while involving County. They seem to have been on the road just about every midweek throughout December and I've been at just about every single one of them so now well well travelled um, obviously the, it's been the beginning of the John Hughes era at, uh, at County and you know it got off to uh, an encouraging start without you know maybe bringing about the results that they were looking for they put in a brave performance away to Celtic in his first game in charge and uh, it was a game that they were never expected to win but they, they did go down with a, a decent fight that night and their next game at home to St Mirren, a bit of a tale of woe that one because they started the game really well, but then of course reduced to nine men, it became a, a mammoth task for them and they just couldn't hold out for the point. But it's really in this last week or so where they've, they've started to to show signs of what might be under Yogi and uh, four points out of six with a win at Easter Road, fantastic result, um, followed by a you know a decent point at home to St Johnson on Saturday really looks like a, a step in the right direction uh, approaching these uh, next set of fixtures. Aye, absolutely. Have you seen an instant change in terms of playing style so far already? I see Hilton's back in. Uh, yeah, yeah, Hilton's been back in. Um, I mean, Michael Gardine picked up an injury in the Celtic game. He started that one and Hilton replaced him and has, I think, started every game since then. And look good. Hilton's made a, a decent impact in the side, I've got to say. For a player that was, you know, on the periphery, um, you know, previously, but it's not been a seismic change. I think it's it's maybe there is an element of new manager bounce and players looking to make a an impact. But the one thing that has struck me is that they they look a bit more resilient. Um, I don't know if again that's a, a new manager bounce or. John Hughes has made a real point of trying to make sure that everything's really well organised from from day one. But um, you know, even in the Celtic game, they they went down two 0 
they didn't have too many chances. I'm not saying they, you know, should have won the game or anything, but you know, they, there were quite a lot of last ditch tackles and clearances that you know kept the scoreline down. When you know, in previous occasions when they've been in that situation, they have had a bit of a soft centre. So yeah. I think I have I have noticed that there has been a uh, a bit more of a, a rigidity, although there have been mistakes as well. And Saturday was a good example with Cole, Donald, Cole Donaldson making a, a you know a bad error for the the penalty that you know ultimately got St Johnson a point from that game. So um, he just passed it pretty much right across his own box and put Keith Watson in a, a real spot of bother and took yeah. down Craig Conway. So there's stuff like that that's kind of been County's Achilles heel for a wee while now and. I suppose there there might still be moments like that, particularly if you know John Hughes is, as we all know, likes to sort of play from the back. But um, I, I think there's been you know just little signs of encouragement and the the major you know uh, st- step in the right direction was the the, the victory at Easter Road because that was a fantastic performance and and it was a thoroughly deserved result in the night. Yeah, I mean, you definitely see change. You've mentioned about the kind of hard work inside of things, and that's something that's been commented on by uh, Hughes himself. He said he's been impressed by coming in and the, the hard work they're putting in and going the extra mile. And he definitely sees progress even since when he first came in uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I know it's good at, at the start of the season. I think, I think I had Ross County maybe to struggle, but the fact mm-hmm. that Hughes has taken over, I think that um, they may be all right. I think um, when you look at the other teams that are down there struggling. I think it's they've got a, a talented squad. The, there is a, a good group of players there, um, and I think he's keen to try and get, you know, the maximum out of that. Uh, he's obviously keen to add a couple of signings in January, but I don't think it will be wholesale changes. We we have seen that in the past from County in January. Um, I mean, you you just don't know what will happen, but I think John Hughes is the type of manager, you know, knowing what he was like at Inverness, uh, inheriting Terry Butcher's squad, albeit squad that was doing a lot better than County are just now but you know he certainly gave that group of players the the chance to to kind of find their way in his system rather than trying to to sort of rip the whole script up and uh, you, you know start afresh yeah uh, so I think you will probably see you know just over the next few weeks John Hughes will try and build up a, a greater understanding of what is already at his disposal before he uh you know, delves too far into the transfer market, but there's no doubt that you'll look to bring in at least a couple just to, to sort of help the, the group along. Yeah, do you think the person that might benefit the most is Ollie Shaw in terms of what Hughes has done with the likes of Stokes in the past and Billy McKay? Yeah, Ollie Shaw looks a really promising talent. Uh, he was on a, a very good goal-scoring run back in October time. I think he scored four in six games, including a couple in the, the Betfred Cup and looked like he was really going places. Um, he then picked up an injury, which kept him out for a month or so, which was uh, you know bad luck on his part. But he kind of offers them something that they don't otherwise have. You know, he's he, you know a quick striker that likes to run in behind. And there are quite a few players in the sort of middle to front area. Um, I mean, I look at Harry Payton, for example, that's a, a really you know promising playmaker really come onto a game this season and the two of them seem to be linking up really well. Uh, good understanding between the two of them. They they linked up for Peyton's opening goal um, at Easter Road. Um, Shaw capped that off with uh, a late goal to to you know secure that victory. 
he looks capable of uh, being a talisman for them. And yeah, I suppose the the reliance that they've had on on Ross Stewart in the past is looking increasingly likely that you know it's not something that can last forever because yeah. you know his future looks to be up in the air. So you know I think Ollie Shaw's uh, opportunity to to kind of be the main man for County is there for him and. You know, John Hughes will be keen to try and get the best out of him. Yeah, I think it's important as well, like to get points on the board as well, like early on because they've got a tough run of games coming up. You got Livy away coming up, then what Aberdeen and Rangers as well. Yeah, so, three tough games coming up. Yeah, I mean Livy to begin with is uh, you know a really difficult game. They've played Livy three times this season, only taking a, a point. Um, that was at Dingwall in November. But they, I mean, they lost in the Betfred Cup quite recently. We were unfortunate that night. They actually played quite well, but I mean, Livingston just are oozing confidence just now, aren't they? They yeah. just can't seem to put a foot wrong. I was so impressed with some of their play and their their goals from watching the highlights at Easter Road. You know, that's that's a result that even better is what County did, which you know is a, a scale of you know where where Livingston are just now. So. Uh, it's not just even the goals, though. It's like the fact that they're keeping them out there on end as well. And they've only conceded two goals so far under Martindale. Yeah, which is yeah. really impressive. I mean, the stats speak for themselves. It's seven straight wins. Uh, you just wonder, you know, how how's how's it all changed so dramatically? Because you know, obviously, it wasn't all hunky dory when Gary Holt left. I didn't think it was, you know, disastrous when Holt left. I, you know, I was quite surprised when when he resigned. But um, I mean, Martindale just seems to have. You know, taken to this management uh, lark with the minimum of fuss and <laughs> makes it look easy. It's uh, it's been yeah. remarkable. I was quite relieved when the Aberdeen game had been called off. To be fair, when them when they've been in such good form. Yeah, yeah, no, that would have been a tough one for Aberdeen, no doubt. Um, that Duns have got a good record against Livy. They yeah. seem to have always had their number, but um, uh, it's it's been very impressive. And I suppose it's probably just a, a continuation of what has been successful for Livingston in the past because Davy Martindale's been there um, around the club for a long time and, you know, without knowing too much about him, seems quite a popular kind of guy yeah. around the dressing room with, you know, the players, a lot of players that have been there through through the years as well. So um, I don't know if he, you know, has grasped the opportunity. Maybe he's been kind of thinking up, you know, ideas that he... Uh, he reckons will will work, and he's now got the opportunity to implement them, uh, just to get the best out of the, the squad that he's got there. So, no, it's uh, I mean it's it's been a fantastic run of results, and it's thrown Livy, you know, right into well, obviously the top six, but you know they're now starting to put a, a slight bit of pressure on towards the likes of Hibs. They're yeah. a good distance behind, but you know with a few more results the way they've been recently, then. You know they'll probably be be looking up rather than behind them. Aye, and they dispose the Hibs rather easily as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I say, some great, great goals. Uh, Josh Mullins, a player that I really liked when he was up at Ross County, and he seems to have settled straight back in at Livingston. Just a, a really dynamic, wide player, good pace. Uh, always got goals and assists in him. Um, he kind of just fell out the picture at County laterally, to be honest. He um, just didn't seem to fit into the, the style of play that County were, were kind of going with. And 
Um, I think when the opportunity came to get back down to the central belt, you know, Livingston was a, a good fit for him, having been there before. So um, his goal on Saturday was tremendous. It was a great run to to get on the end of, I think, was it Robinson's through ball, was it? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Uh, and even this way, I because yeah, it's one he, he gets in behind uh, Stevenson as well, doesn't he? The score. He did, yeah, yeah. That was just that, that goal to me just underlined the sort of understanding that a lot of the Livingston players have because you know it's it was a bit of a, a gamble of a run from Mullen, but you know Robinson without even really having to look just kind of played the ball over his shoulder and knew that that run was going to be happening. So um, I think they they're just a, a well organised team that have a great you know team ethic that you know they they all know their jobs and they all know to get the best out of one another so aye and then the third goal probably epitomises what you're saying in terms of resilience and hard work because Robinson looks like he's shouldn't win that ball against the two centre-backs and then he's on his arse at one point gets up and still manages aye. to score I've got no right to, to be scoring <laughs> that ball it's uh, pretty clumsy defending from Hanlon I've got to say he kind of just lets the ball um, wriggle kind of goes beyond the ball and then Robinson just shows that that greater desire to to get in there and carve out a shot for himself. So, yeah, just a, a goal that epitomises, you know, everything that that Livingston are all about, really. Yeah, and as much as Hibs are sorry, Livingston are doing that well. Hibs, on the other hand, have now lost three in the bounce and looking like they're struggling a wee bit. Yeah, he, goals yeah. have dried up. I mean, from being at Easter Road last Wednesday, um, you know, I didn't really see that performance coming. To be honest, I. You know, I felt a home game against a team that was struggling would be, you know, a great opportunity for them to to sort of express the, the free-flowing style that they're quite well-renowned for. And Jack Ross has been keen to to sort of build, but it just never quite happened for them in the night. County, to be fair to them, looked the hungrier team. And I, I mean... They had chances on the night. Dodge missed a couple of big ones, but it was it just never really got going for them. Uh, County, as I say, were thoroughly deserving on uh, on the night of, of their victory. So, I uh, know it's uh, a, a bit of a turnaround needed at Hibs because, I mean, that's them. I think they've got... Well, Aberdeen have got two games in hand on them and, you know, even though it wasn't an ideal result for the Dons on Saturday drawing 0-0 at home to Dundee United, that's still, you know, a point up on, on Hibs, isn't it? So, Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think I thought we're disappointed about not getting a win, but Dundee United have been pretty resilient, hard to beat, and possibly the last few games we've struggled to break down teams a wee bit. Um, even though the Quarit game was quite a convincing win, the 2-0 win, I thought still we didn't look at our, our flowing best of what we were at the start of the season. Um, yeah. Uh, there's there's a feeling that Aberdeen haven't been at their fluent best at all during December, but um, you know obviously the Livingston game was postponed. But I think the the points haul from December was eleven out of fifteen. It was just two draws against um, Motherwell and St Mirren, I think. So yeah. I mean, it, it goes down as a, a decent month, with probably a run of games that they would have been targeting to pick points up from. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, I mean, I certainly don't think it's any crisis. Um, I think there is a frustration that, particularly when you look at, you know, how inconsistent Celtic have been, 
that you know Aberdeen haven't been able to string together the consistency required to put a bit of pressure on, and you know the push for second place. Yeah, maybe not something that's beyond them if they can you know kick up a gear in the latter half of the season, but you know it, it does feel a little bit like you know they're in a relatively comfortable position in third, but just kind of not making the most of the the opportunities that have come their way to. To, to really sort of ramp up the the push for something a little bit higher up the table. Yeah, the squad's been a bit stretched though, obviously, with the injuries, but Scott Wright returned on Saturday, which is a positive, and I think McGeeck's maybe not far off coming back, hopefully. Yeah, so. Scott Wright's been a, a big miss. Um, you know, the partnership that he built up with Ryan Hedges in the start, you know, the, the first few months of the season was... Um, really encouraging. Um, yeah, just a, a player that has had a frustrating time of it over the last few years with injuries and I suppose just this inconsistency. But he, um, I looks like he's, you know, just taking his chance when it's it's come his way this season. And I think his his absence was really sorely missed when when he was out with the the team. Uh, sort of during that October November period where, where Aberdeen really were stretched. Yeah, I guess Ryan Watkins in particular were pivotal to the style of play early in the season. And Maine, oh, he's hard working and all that type of thing, but he's just not, he's not got as much movement as Watkins or he's not as clever, I don't think. Uh, which probably comes from Watkins being more of a kind of creative midfielder as opposed to a natural striker. The interesting thing is obviously Mackay Stephen getting linked again, whether. Um, I don't know whether he could actually do it all up front. He's not physical enough, but in terms of movement and style of play, whether maybe he could have the likes of right hedges and Mackay Stephen all kind of interchanging and stuff, stuff like that. Don't know. Um, but interesting move there. Um, and then Brophy was linked, but by all accounts, I think he's going to St Mirren on a pre-contract. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if, you know, maybe St Mirren made it clear that he was going to come in and be their main striker. Yeah. Whereas maybe, you know, I mean, it sounded as if Aberdeen and Hibbs were were interested in him as well. I mean, I, I didn't hear anything firsthand myself, but, um, you know, it might have been the case that, you know, conversations were had and Brophy was told that he would go to either of those clubs and not necessarily be the, the main man. Um, whereas St Mirren might have, you know, just from reading between the lines, you know, he would probably go to St Mirren and be their, their talisman. So, um, no, I mean, it's a great signing for St Mirren. Uh, not sure if that one's over the line yet, but it, it certainly sounds like it's it's moving. So, um, Garen Kai-Steven at Aberdeen would be a, an interesting one. He is a player that Derek McInnes was desperate to keep when, uh, when his contract ran out last time around. Um you know, he was really keen on the idea of going over to the, the States and he right, seems to have done okay at New York, but obviously not not managed to to get a new contract by all accounts. So um, I, I think he's a player that could offer Aberdeen something. Um, I mean, it seems to be the, the Derek McInnes way of late that uh, yeah. you know, trusted performers from years gone by end up uh, finding a, a route back somehow or another. Um, but I guess there's there's a lot to be said for, you know, the impact that, that you know, they've made on his team, and maybe more importantly, 
if they come back, then they obviously, you know, highly respect what he has done for them. So, um, yeah, I think he's a he's a player that can offer something. Uh, you know, when we're talking about you know free flowing football and Aberdeen needing a bit of a spark just now, certainly a, a player that falls into the the category of you know what Aberdeen are looking for in that regard. Yeah, definitely. I guess it would just be a case of trying to to shoehorn him into the system. But, I mean, he is quite adaptable. As you say, he's probably not cut out for the, the main striker role, but, you know, there's no reason why he couldn't play as a sort of number 10 or a, you know, a linking player yeah. in that sort of middle-to-front area. So, um, that'll be an interesting one. I mean, the idea of him and Johnny Hayes being on the same flank might be a bit of a, a luxury, but it certainly would fill you with a fair bit of excitement. Oh, I definitely. You wouldn't want to play against it anyway. Um, the other one was Link Wabardin was Chris Carden, but by all accounts, again, um, the talk is that he's going to go to Hibs, but we've seen that before, whereby Oyo thought, everyone thought he was going to Hibs, and then last minute, Aberdeen uh, managed to sign him. He's a play, player that McInnes was keen on before, I think, wasn't he? Um, so. This would be uh, this would be third time lucky for Hibs, because there was uh, Ross McCrory as well, of course. Yes, yeah, exactly, <laughs> I. <laughs> this would buck the trend. <laughs> I don't don't count Aberdeen out just yet. Uh, wait wait until that scarf above the head picture is unveiled at Easter Road before we, uh, we uh, start talking about Chris Carden being in, among the Hibs fold. But nah, uh, clearly a player that um, really impressed when he was coming through at Motherwell, and um, you know I think he'll have a lot to, to offer. I think it, it, it probably does say quite a lot for both you know Derek McInnes and Jack Ross that they're both looking for the same types of players. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at that sort of younger Scottish market where, you know, players are going to have some sort of point to prove and maybe a sell-on value further down the line. Absolutely. Um, two clubs of a similar stature that are obviously fighting for the same kind of prize. So um, that's it's probably a market where both clubs are just now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dundee United on the hand, as we said, Brazilian, kind of hard to beat. However, I thought probably against Aberdeen they had the better chances uh, with Shankland. He had a few chances uh, that he kind of created out of nothing himself, I would say, as well. Yeah, yeah. Hit the bar early on and then he forced a great save out of Joe Lewis later on in the match. Um, that was a bit of a you know, a pot shot, really, from the edge of the box. It didn't really look like it was on for him, but that's that's the Shankland that you know we've all come to know, isn't it? Just creating yeah. chances out of very little and... Um, you know, he was unfortunate to be denied. It was a, a really good save from Lewis. He got the faintest of touches on it, but it, it just showed how good a, a strike it was. Um, I guess he's, he's struggled a bit for form in the Premiership. I think he's only got just a handful of goals to his name, two or three, yeah. but, um, you know, he's certainly a, a player that, if given a sniff, he's, he's going to punish you. And, you know, maybe the, the complaint on maybe not his part, but the you know, the United fans would be that he's been deprived of the, the service that he needs at, at this level. But definitely. Um no, I mean I, I, he's a player that I would fully expect to to still probably even reach double figures this season. I, I don't think he's um you know been found out or anything at this level. I I just think he's maybe uh, you know suffered in confidence through you know various factors. But I think if he you know, once the, the first one goes in for him in this new year, then I, I'd fully expect him to go on some sort of scoring run. 
Yeah, absolutely. And they've got guys there. That we've, we've been speaking all season. They've got the likes of Clark there as well, who was doing all right. And McNulty's a good addition as well in there. Uh, yeah. So, Dundee United, they're exceeding expectations, doing really well. And the fact that defensively they're so good um, is the main thing. And that's the, the foundation you build a good team on. Um, there was probably a bit of an overreaction with Aberdeen fans. I think, I think online you maybe you only see the bad. Um, but in terms of social media, I thought we were going mental because we'd been drawn the game. Um, oh, that's a game we should be should be winning and all sorts and getting carried carried away with themselves. But I I just call that Saturday, John. <laughs> Aye, well, it's, yeah, uh, it seems weekly. So certainly, whenever Aberdeen, well, we say slip up, but I mean, you know, obviously, you know, I've made the point about how you know Aberdeen probably should be you know, trying to apply a bit more pressure on Celtic. But by the same token, I think, you know, people do have to realise that, you know, they're, Aberdeen aren't actually losing games at all, really, um, during this period. I think they've had one defeat to a non-Old Firm team this season, and it was it was obviously a, a sore one against Motherwell at Tawdry. But, you know, it's, it's not a, a case of, you know, Aberdeen being cut open by teams or... Um, you know, clearly, there was the disappointing cup result against Mirren as well. Yeah, but I think there is a bit of an overreaction at times. I can get frustration, but I think high standards have been set, and uh, probably, you know, Derek McInnes, in my opinion, is a victim of his own success. But uh, I, I think you know, I'm still don't they, as opposed to focusing on positives like defensively, we've been superb this season. You can yeah, yeah. McKenna leaving, everyone thought we're going to crumble and McKenna leaving and what's going to happen in defence and been superb. And Cash yeah. Taylor as well, he's someone that gets a, a lot of criticism, but I think over the Christmas period, over December, January, he's been immense. Ash Taylor's been fantastic over the last few weeks because he, he's been the fall guy for, well, I say years. I mean, both spells at the club. Um, you know, he was a player that did have a few mistakes in him, more so first time around, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's been a few in his second spell as well, but you know, he's he's become a, a really consistent performer and he's he's so effective as a uh you know, just a, a towering centre half, great presence and um no, it's it's been quite encouraging to see how Aberdeen have adapted post McKenna because you know, obviously Tommy Hoban coming in was a an element of a gamble given his injury record and to expect him to all of a sudden become, you know, probably the first centre half on the team sheet yeah. uh, with that injury history so fresh was maybe quite a tall order, but, you know, he's he's been fantastic as well. Um, you know, you can tell why he was playing at a higher level previously. Um Still a good age as well. I mean, he's only, what, I think 25, 26? So yeah, I think so, yeah. Right, so for a defender, you would expect him, you know, with the experience that he's built up at a young age to to kind of, you know, have the best years just coming ahead of him now. So, um, no, I, I, I don't think there's any reason for Aberdeen to panic or get into a fluster. It's a huge game coming up this weekend. Yes. goes down as a, a big opportunity to, to make a statement. It's going to be really tough with the, the form that Rangers are on. But, um, yeah, just, I suppose, trying to become the, the you know, the first team that, that have, uh, you know, defeated Rangers in the league this season. 
yeah. under light, just how, how good Rangers have been. So I don't think, you know, as long as Aberdeen put up a, a good fight on Sunday, then, you know, if they fail to pull it off, then you know, I don't think it should be regarded as, you know, a failure on their part. It's, uh, you know, a bit of a juggernaut that's coming their way. Yeah, we've probably done well to actually leave uh, talking about Rangers till now with uh, the Rangers Celtic game. Probably most podcasts and everywhere else will be leading with that this week. Um, I've got, got to put our own stamp on it. That's, exactly, uh, exactly. Um, the one thing you would say with Rangers is recent weeks they've maybe not been at their best, but are still getting the results, and that's the big difference I think between um, the team under Gerard last season and this season. Even when they're not playing particularly well, they're still getting results. Because um, Celtic came flying out the traps on Saturday, I was quite shocked about how good Celtic were and how you were wondering is it a tactical thing from Rangers where they're like thinking right, let's just sit in um, because Celtic's defence is so bad and hit them in the counter, but no, it didn't seem to be it just. Lennon's tactics in the first half were pretty much spot on. Oh, they were, yeah. Um, it was only really the first half that I saw live before I had to nip to Dingwall for the game that I was covering. But um, no, I was I was really surprised at just how how easy Celtic seemed to be finding it. You know, they, they just looked hungrier. Um, they looked more fluent. And they just limited Rangers to, to very little. Um, it's it's a free flowing Rangers team that we're playing at home, albeit no fans. But you know you would have expected Rangers to be a bit more on the front foot from the beginning of that. And you know when you look back at the recent Old Firm games as well, you know it's clear that Gerard has had Lennon's number for quite a while now. Yeah, definitely. You know not not just the results, but you know the actual performances as well. So you know for for Celtic to you know come out so dominant and uh, you know, hit them on the on the front foot like that. It, it did come as a bit of a surprise, but um, I suppose the honourable mention has to go to Alan McGregor as well for some of the saves that he made, particularly in that first half. Um, I, I remember saying at the time actually that you know if Rangers do get a spell, um, you know, of pressure in this game, would I expect Barkas to? To make these same saves, the answer is no. Yeah. You know, it, it, it genuinely is, you know, game-defining saves that McGregor has made such a habit of make, making. Um, so it, it it just underlines his value, and you know, it's not just that one fixture that he's done it, and it's been, you know, so many occasions. You know, he's been such an important kind of backline for for Rangers. So. Um, you know, it was it was obviously a crucial part of their their victory, um, of course, as well as the the red cards in the, the second half as well. Yeah, definitely. I I mean, the current debate with McGregor is whether is McGregor a better keeper than what Coram was when he was there, or even yeah. maybe Stephen Claus, but a tough one to call. I think when you look at obviously uh, ah. Gorham in particular, he was there during a a period of sustained success, and that'd be a hard one to call. Uh, I'm going to stay out of this one, John. I'm only 28, so... Uh, <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I remember Kloss. Uh, you know, Kloss was a, a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, it is such a difficult one to say, though, because you're comparing different eras. Exactly, yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's it's difficult to look past McGregor on current form and, you know, the contribution that he's made over two really sustained periods as well. Um, and particularly where Rangers were when he came back, you know, it's they, they were kind of they were on the rise again, but 
they certainly they, they weren't really challenging. Um, but you know, his arrivals coincided with sort of Gerard coming in and you know, making them a force in Europe again. Um, and you know, really upping the challenge to, to Celtic to the point where they're now, you know, front runners for the title by some distance. So um you know, that that's a huge impact that obviously Gerard as manager's made, but you know, McGregor's been part of that all the way as well. So Yeah, mm. he seems to cut out the Dauphins as well, like he was getting involved in silly things like the last couple of seasons, but this year I think Rangers and probably overall have been more disciplined. Um Yeah. The one thing that did catch my attention in the first half was when he was barking at uh, the referee for a, a goal kick when he tipped Griffith's it's shot. Yeah, <laughs> it was that a great was, save as well. Just cheeky as anything, just uh, chancing it. But yeah. uh, ah, I mean, I'm sure in the, in retrospect he'll you'll happily take the credit for for making that corner because what a save it was. That that was the best of the lot by a country oh, yeah. mile. Yeah, because he had the double save as well from Edward, but yeah. yeah. One of them was offside, I think, from Edward, was it? Aye, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, everyone thought when Griffiths hit that, that that's in, and then just die fingertips, or fingertip maybe even, um, yeah. to get it. Had Rangers maybe come into the game a wee bit before the sending off, do you think? I know um, you said you missed it, actually. I missed um, that part, but I think by all accounts, uh, and from watching the highlights, it seemed as if the, the introduction of Hadji, while not being a total game changer as such it gave them a bit more of a, a spark yeah. um, I'm not sure if it was Roof's best game from what I saw in the first half um, I think Hadji is you know a player that can you know make a, a real difference uh, it's difficult to pick up because you don't know when he'll pop up eh, Hadji yeah, yeah. he'd, he'd a shot just before the sending off which trickled just wide um, yeah. from the edge of the box uh, the the Ryan Christie area, I like to call it. It's exactly the Ryan Christie area, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, that that completely random mention here, but that uh, probably skipping a couple of sections takes me on to the, the championship. Um, the last championship game I was at was uh, Inverness and Firmland, and I think the last time I was on the podcast was just after Christie had pinged in the, the goal against Hearts in the cup final. Yeah. Uh, but Miles Story hit one against Firmland just uh, at the end of December there from exactly the same range and that was pretty much how I described it to the reporter that was <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a Ryan Christie it's uh, uh, just that cutting inside onto the left foot just brings back so many memories doesn't it? Oh, definitely yeah um, the sending off there's no doubt about the sending off um, beat on up until that point was getting praise about how well he'd been coping with Morelos because everyone talks about how he's no natural centre back he wasn't getting too tight he was just anticipating everything and then just that one wee moment Morelos manages to turn him and that's it um, I don't think he's getting the option though I think it's natural instinct any defender I think in that position is going to do that um, yeah. and just yeah whether it maybe cost him in the game in the end who knows but it certainly didn't yeah, help a cause it is really difficult to say I think it's it would be more a psychological thing because ultimately it was a set piece that um, you know decided the game but the I, probably the psychological shift when Celtic went down to 10 men invited a bit more pressure onto their goal um, yeah I mean I, I didn't have any dispute with Bobby Madden's decision to be honest uh, uh, I haven't seen too many people that have other than Neil Lennon but uh, yeah. <laughs> no I just it was the positioning was wrong in the first place it was a great ball from Tavernier I've got to say that as well um, 
Tavernier's the weight of that pass just was holding up so firmly for Morelos to to run onto it, and um, I think the idea that Ayer could have got anywhere near it is is wrong because you know he Morelos was going to be you know in possession of that ball bearing down on the, the penalty box with you know the, the goal at his mercy. Whether he would have stuck it away, I guess it doesn't. That doesn't really matter. It's a goal-scoring opportunity, exactly, yeah. Uh, not necessarily a goal. So, um, no, I don't think Bobby Madden had too too much of a decision to make there. But um, I just it, it did stem from just poor positioning from from Beaton in the first place. Yeah, and again in terms of if we got go into the actual goal itself and from the set piece. It seems to be a thing that most teams are doing now in terms of not having men on the actual posts themselves. Um, whether it comes with the, the zonal marking happening and different things like that. But Edward was kind of covered in the front post um, in a way, but it was no one in the back post. Yeah, yeah. The On sports scene, they kind of mentioned the fact that Edward kind of moved, which didn't help. Or he kind of moved off his man a wee bit. And Barkas, in terms of his movement, maybe Barkas would have, would have saved it. Because Bar- it was pretty central. Um, but he knows yeah. Edward moved forward and then Barkas moved towards his near post to cover yeah. that area. Um, but it's not, a, I mean, from the speed that it happened, it's not a save that you would expect any goalkeeper to make. You know, whether McGregor would have, I'm not even sure to be honest, but I mean, the, the initial header was going, you know, a good distance wide um, from Aribo, but uh, you do notice that. Morelos is following it in, you know, he, he's inches from getting on it, yeah. even before it goes in after the deflection. So, you know, difficult to, to measure where the ball would have gone had it not taken the, def- the deflection. But, um, I always have spots, isn't it? But if someone had got the flick on at the near post, then the chances are Morelos was going to be first to it, given, as you touched on, you know, the lack of a, a man on the back post. And, um, I just, uh, it clearly a really frustrating way for Celtic to lose the game just uh, you know for all that they put into it uh, an own goal uh, of that manner uh, you know certainly doesn't reflect the, the way that the, the game went but yeah just a, another sort of well ground out victory from, from Rangers and uh, ultimately they would have taken that every day of the week because you know that's them in a handsome lead now and you know it's going to take a collapse like we've never seen before. I think yeah. it's safe to say for, for anything other than Rangers to, to win the title. I mean, you know, I mean, even with the three games in hand, you'd be talking about Rangers probably having to lose maybe a minimum of four games. Yeah. And that would be, and I, that would be Celtic having to win probably every game. Aye, and I think you, you have to include the two old firm games in that as well because, yeah. you know, that, that, otherwise that's just going to increase the gap. And, um, yeah, as I say, Rangers just look to have the measure of Celtic in, in these games. Yeah, and then the, the poor positioning from Celtic has uh, continued in Dubai with uh, them failing to social distance from each other as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, there's going to be cameras, like, it's, it seems a bit daft. Yeah, very much so. I mean, the trip in general is just unnecessary, I would say. Um, I mean, I don't I, I, a lot of teams do like to go abroad for training camps and they'll all extol the virtues of, of doing it because of the, the opportunity to train in warm weather climates. It's good fitness work. 
it's good bonding, but there is a time and a place for it, and a you know pandemic doesn't seem like the time and the place for it. Um, I know things have got a lot, you know, worse in terms of the you know the virus in the last few weeks since the trip was originally scheduled, but I just I think it lacked a bit of foresight because you know none of us knew what the picture was going to look like in, in January. Um, and I think particularly when there are so many games in hand, Celtic having three of them, yeah, yeah. I, just, I just don't think it's particularly responsible. I don't think it sends out the right message. Uh, just a bad idea all round, to be honest. And it's, uh, it's It got Nicola Sturgeon reacting today as well. That's uh, not something she does often, is comment on football, but oh. it uh, provoked her today, so... Yeah, Celtic said they got the, the trip approved by the government as well. I think that was back in November, so things have obviously changed. And yeah, it's it's daft, irresponsible. I think when the whole situation there is just now. But maybe they're over there to play the Love Island Select because it seems like all the influencers and all that—that's where they are in Dubai. Um, right. So right. Dubai seems to be the place to be. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably you best avoiding that. Ah, <laughs> uh, you won't be surprised to hear that it's not my forty. <laughs> <laughs> but that, um, but yeah, I mean they'll return, they'll return and play what Hibs at the weekend. So yeah, it'll be interested to see what happens there. Ah, uh, that's a Monday, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was quite a controversial game as well. That that's when the the trip to Dubai first came to my uh, attention. Actually, was when I think was it Hibs came out and said that that game had been moved without them proving it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so that that's another layer of. Just wrongness, I suppose, about the whole trip. It's all like just, it's just caused chaos on, on all fronts, and I suppose particularly after losing an old firm game, I probably haven't gone down well with the Celtic fans. I, I don't speak on behalf of all of them, but um, yeah, just doesn't seem to write, send out the right message at all. Yeah, definitely not. Um, so obviously, the last time we had you on, it was just after a, a manager had lost a job and there was a new manager to come in. Um, Unfortunately, for or fortunately, depending on where you, you look at it, um, Stephen Robinson left Motherwell and Hogmanay, um, feeling that he'd kind of taken him as far as he could. Were you surprised? Um, in the immediate sense, no, because um, driving back from Easter Road on Wednesday, I listened to his post-match interview after they'd been beaten by Kilmarnock, and he just sounded flat and just like his race was run, he just sounded completely scunnered with the way things were going. Um, you know, he was asked about potential for January changes and just kind of batted that one away. It, it did seem as if the writing was kind of on the wall and I don't think he would have been sacked as such, but, you know, for him to take the decision to resign didn't surprise me. Um, but I think the, the reaction from the Motherwell fans and the, the aftermath, you know, leaving a few kind of banners around the ground speaks volumes for how they think of him I, you know his time there will be remembered really fondly it reminds me entirely of Stuart McCall leaving Motherwell because they um, you know Motherwell were a team that had built up you know really strong consistency under his tenure and I remember they got off to a really poor start to the following season um, and that resulted in him just deciding and taking them as far as he could yeah, and I suppose once you get into that chain of thought, then it's difficult to reverse that. Um, but you know, if you look at what he did over the over the time he was there, you know, finishing third last season, uh, I think was it the year before or 
maybe the year before that that the, they got to the two cup finals as well. I twenty seventeen eighteen season, yeah. Yeah, seventeen eighteen. They um, and they were a team that were just gradually and steadily improving every every year, and that culminated in such a successful year last season. But I suppose you you do have to balance that to an extent with the fact that the season didn't finish. And I'm not disputing the fact that Motherwell finished third, but um, you know the there was a game against Aberdeen that was due to be played where Aberdeen could have gone above them and Motherwell's form after the turn of the year hadn't been good. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't, you know, it was a, it was a really poor 2020 for them, but um, no, I mean, they, they finished third on merit and I think his, his time at the club deserves to be remembered really fondly. Yeah. Oh, it'd be interesting. You mentioned earlier about kind of changes in January. There's been a fair amount of speculation that likes a Garlick and Campbell might be away, and then obviously O'Donnell as well. He's out of contract because he only signed a short-term contract for them. So, it'd be interesting to see if a new man comes in. Can they first of all um, keep Garlick and Campbell to the end of the season, or will they think, well, here's maybe a chance to like try and sell them down south, make a wee bit of money, freshen up the squad? I, I don't know what the situation will be. It'll be, be interesting to see. So far. The name is mentioned, but Tommy Wright, which is the obvious one, to, um, you would think. Lasley's maybe not helped himself with what's happened in the Hamilton game. Um, however, he's someone that Motherwell knows. He's a player, a legend at the club, so they might decide to, to go with him. The slightly left field one, I think, was Graham Alexander. Yeah. Um, possibly. And they've said there's four names in the, the ring, the hat for it, but I've not, I don't know who the other one is. Um I agree. Alexander has done good stuff down south. He was manager at Salford and Fleetwood before that. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously not a stranger to the, the Scottish game through his, you know, many appearances for the national team. But um, I suppose you'd be you'd be looking at him coming up and probably, you know, dipping into the English market for players. Which, to be fair, is something Motherwell have done really successfully, possibly more so than than any other club really of uh, you know of that level. But the, um, I mean, the Tommy Wright link is one that is inevitable for just about any vacancy just now. And Motherwell does seem like a good fit. You know, it's a it's a great club. You know, there uh, there's really good potential to do well at Motherwell. Um, probably, well, definitely more than there was at St Johnson. And you know, if he can replicate some of the work that he did there at Motherwell, if he gets the the opportunity, then. Um, you know, you would think that he would do really well. But um, aye, it'll be an interesting one. It seems as if Motherwell are keen to make a, a pretty quick move on this one. I don't know if that point's maybe closer to Lasley. Um, certainly and probably regarded within the club as being, you know, a, a manager of the future, whether that time is now. Um, I, I'm not sure because, I mean, they are in a pretty sticky situation the yeah, they're in a relegation battle for sure. Threat of relegations there, so you know it might be a a bit more of a an experienced campaigner that you see come in for that one. Yeah, you could even maybe see the situation where by Tommy Wright comes in to the end of the season, and then the review to the end of the season, depending on how things go. Uh, yeah, well, that's certainly the, the the lie of the land up at Ross County with the the most recent managerial change there's been. Uh, you know, County similarly in a relegation battle and, you know, John Hughes has got the job till the end of the season with the remit of keeping Ross County in the division. 
and it's just going to be reviewed on an ongoing basis. Um, you know, if he makes a, a strong impression, no matter the outcome, then you know he will get the chance to to uh, you know start afresh next season. But you know, it, it, I suppose it, it does simplify things a wee bit if you know you bring someone in with the, the task of just keeping them, you know, the, the club in the in the Premiership for you know the first and foremost. Yeah, that's the aye, definitely. Um, obviously, that cause hasn't been helped at the weekend by the, the Hamilton result as well. Um, Hamilton, I think Motherwell might be a wee bit unfortunate. They seem to have chances, but just going to put them away, whereas Hamilton were fairly clinical. I think they were uh, they were helped largely by some pretty inept goalkeeping. Was it uh, Chapman that was in goals for Motherwell? I, I'd never heard of him before. but um, uh, He wasn't one I'd, I knew of either. He didn't have a good game at all. But, I mean, I see... I mean, Motherwell have had horrendous luck with goalies this season because, obviously, Trevor Carson's been, you know, the first pick. But, you know, he's picked up an injury. They brought in Scott Fox at the start of the season. He was injured long-term from pretty much day one. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Archer, Scotland international, came in but left today f- to join Middlesbrough. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I presume Chapman was brought in as a backup but uh, you know he didn't have a good game at all on Saturday the no, goal but the worst one he actually got away with he spilled a, a really easy catch and uh, fortunately the, the Hamilton player I think it was Winter just blazed it over the empty net but, um, no, not a good day for him at all oh, it shouldn't surprise us too much though that Hamilton got a result because just what Hamilton do don't they they pick up these wins here and yeah. there and yeah, they just know how to do it. They've put themselves in a, a decent position. Um, I, the thing with both Hamilton and Motherwell that we've got to factor in, of course, is the potential COVID points. You know, they, that, that's still an issue hanging in the balance just now. It could drastically change the, you know, the shape of the, the league table, uh, depending on which way that goes. Because Motherwell, with those points, uh, you know, when they had them you know, supposedly in the, the bank a couple of weeks ago were kind of on the, the coattails of the top six. So, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah I mean, that, that's something that, that will, you know, drastically impact on the, you know, how the, the table looks. But I think, um, you know, Hamilton certainly look to have, you know, the, the fight and determination that, you know, you would associate them with from previous seasons. And that that's really shown in some of the, the games that they've, They've faced in recent weeks where, you know, they've been up against teams in that area. Good win against County, you know, a good point against St. Johnson, and then, you know, a fantastic victory over Motherwell. You know, it just it kind of shows probably their experience and the fact that they seem to relish being down in that area. There's other teams that probably, you know, the fear factor kicks in, but Hamilton actually seem to to get a bit of motivation from it. So, now it's all credit to, to Brian Rice for. For the way that uh, you know he's kind of galvanised them in this situation, yeah. Um, and then Kilmarnock have managed to pick up four points over the the last couple of games, which has been good for them because obviously Dyer was under a wee bit of pressure. Interesting enough, Hamilton and Kilmarnock play each other at the weekend, which is a pretty big game. Yeah, Hamilton could go equal in points if they were to win, whereas Kilmarnock would be looking at maybe trying to push up for the the top six if they were to get a victory. I just again, it just shows you that. The difference that a couple of wins can make. Um, I mean, Kamarnik have really 
turned it around in the last couple of games. Um, obviously, a, a really good win for them against Motherwell. And then they should have had three points against St Mirren as well. That was a, a bizarre goal that they conceded at the, at the end there with the ball maybe crossing the line. It was so difficult to tell from the television. Oh, Rogers, yeah. Aye, Danny Rogers. I think it... Uh, I think it did. Yeah, cause I think even Dyer came out afterwards, and he did. He did say, "Oh yeah, no, it did." Uh, he did, but it was, I don't know what camera angle he was looking at because anything that you saw from certainly the television pictures that we saw, <laughs> yeah, was very inconclusive. So, um, yeah, that was a, a very strange one. I've never seen a, an incident like that. I mean, you've heard plenty of shouts for it sometimes when yep. goalie's been a bit close to the line for comfort, but. Um, no, I mean it was pretty sickening for Kamarnik to to lose the three, well, to to throw away two points uh, based on that. But I mean, it seemed as if they were deserving of them uh, from the balance of play. Yeah, and it just it seems as if you know a corner has been turned there. But that Hamilton game, it's going to be intriguing because it, yeah, as you say, it's two teams that have kind of flipped things on on their heads in recent weeks, and for one. Of the teams, you know, it's it's going to be a major opportunity to to really make a statement with, you know, keeping that momentum going. Aye, probably the main thing has been I think Boy Whitehall scored a couple of goals in the last two games. That's certainly helped, and it looks like a, a decent striker anyway. Something physical, and they're going to lose Brophy as well. Yeah, but uh, so aye, we've managed to cover all the games actually in the Premiership, and it all linked in quite nicely there. Um, yeah. Aye, so you, you'd mentioned Inverness as well. So Inverness, you managed to see much of Inverness in the lot, or just been all been, all been Ross County just now? Mainly been County. Um, Inverness haven't played too much recently. Yeah. Their, the last two Saturdays have been postponed. Um, they were due to be at Arbroath uh, at the weekend there. That was called off, and their game against Morton the week before was also postponed. So yeah. a bit of a frustrating period for them. The one game they did have in between them was uh, at home to Dunfermline as I said 1-1 draw that was a really good game actually uh, cracking game Dunfermline came out really strongly in the first half and took the lead quite early on um, but uh, Inverness actually responded really well and kind of took control of the second half and by the end of it Inverness were a wee bit disappointed you know, not to have won the game Dunfermline you can tell even just in Short spells of that game are a team that are going to be up there. Mm-hmm. You know they've they've provided the the strongest challenge to Hearts this season. Although Dundee are starting to to make their presence felt, but yeah. uh, Dunfermline have been really consistent. And I, th- I think the frustration for Inverness is that they don't feel you know Dunfermline are a massive amount better than them, mm-hmm. but you know they're sitting pretty handsome, handsomely ahead of them in the table. Um, Inverness just haven't been ruthless enough in converting draws into wins and sometimes losses into draws even um, it's it's just you know Inverness are sitting seventh just now with a you know three points off the, the playoff spots and the, the strange thing is you know we look upon it as being you know they've only played nine games it's still quite early in the season but there's only two rounds of fixtures to go so yeah, uh, just the shortened season necessitates that there is no time for slackness. There's no no time to to sort of have a, a dip in form. You've you've got to to really hit the ground running. And um, 
you know, Inverness just know that they need to go on a, a good run to, to force their way into that top four. Aye, get, and they've got a wee break at the weekend anyway from the league action with the, the Scottish Cup against Bucky Thistle. Yeah, that's going to be a good tie. Um, shame that there won't be any fans at that one because it's it's a tie that really would have captured the the imagination of a lot of kind of north-based fans. Um, you know, Inverness, Ross County, Aberdeen are the three kind of big guns in the north and any time, you know, one of them goes to a high league ground it, it just always brings about a, a real excitement. Um, Bucky are one of the better supported title league clubs as well um, and you know Inverness the novelty factor for their fans going to a Highland league ground and Scottish Cup day would have been fantastic so yeah yeah, it's, it, that's just you know the way things are just now but it's got the makings of a good tie Bucky plays some really attacking football you know they'll, they'll see it as a free hit and they've got a manager Graeme Stewart that kind of thrives on the, the underdog tag, he led Bucky to the title a few years ago um, when they weren't fancied to, to do anything really that season. And, you know, he'll have the players really, really motivated. Um, you, you know, I think John Robertson, um, you know, he, he knows the Highland League quite well. He, you know, goes to plenty of games and knows the strengths of, of all the teams. But, you know, I certainly don't expect him to play any sort of, you know, weakened team or anything. I, I think he'll be treating this one really seriously. Yeah. Do you see any potential for shocks in the second round at the weekend? Uh, I think having the draw in front of me. Um, just trying to think. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of ties up here that do actually look quite tasty. One that jumps out at me is actually Elgin against Air United. Yeah. Um, Elgin have been on on great form this season. They're they're really. Um, without obviously being neck and neck with Queen's Park, they're putting up the strongest challenge just now. Um, you know, they've, they've been really consistent, free-flowing, scoring a lot of goals. Um, I look at Ayr, they're kind of struggling a wee bit in the championship. Yeah. And I just, I think, I, f- I fancy Elgin to to make a really good game of that. It wouldn't surprise me too much if if they were to come out on top in that one, actually. Uh, maybe another one, Kelty Hearts and Sonor. Could be one yeah. to watch out for. Ah, definitely. Yeah, that, that's got a really... Um, that, that, that's got the makings of a really tasty one. Sonor have been going well, to be fair. They're one of the teams that are kind of pushing in, in League Two. But, uh, I mean, Kelty are a team that will feel they should be playing at that level. They'll yep. they'll feel a sense of injustice. I know Sonor are also one of the teams that will feel the same injustice from what went before last summer, but uh, no, I think Kelty will see that as a, a real opportunity. And just to bring Bucky into the conversation as well, they'll maybe take a bit of inspiration from what Bucky did in the last round, because you know, they've, they've set this tie up against Cali Thistle by virtue of beating Albion Rovers 3-0 at Clifton yeah. Hill. So, you know, it, it kind of shows that, you know, if, if a highly motivated non-league team comes into, you know, one of these ties against that you know, a League Two side that isn't particularly at it on the day, then you know the the opportunity is there to to progress. Um, I absolutely think yeah. uh, another one could be quite tasty is Aloha against Cove as well. Cove that did go through a bit of a dip in form, but they've they've kind of got back on track in the last couple of weeks. A couple of good wins against Forford and Peterhead. Um, Aloha, good side, but you know haven't. 
you know, totally hit it off in the championship this season. So uh, Paul Hartley going back to his old club as well. Um, you know, Cove have got players like Mitch Meganson, Rory McAllister that have got goals in them. Uh, you know, I, I, I can see that one being a really interesting tie. Aye, no, definitely. Uh, maybe Queen's Park to beat Queen in the South. Yeah, yeah. As well, the Friday night game that's on TV. Yeah, uh, Queen's got a really good win against there last weekend. I think they got back to winning ways for the first time in a few weeks. But, um, I mean, Queen's Park, um, the only time I've seen them live was actually the Dundonald game a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I watched that as well, actually, yeah. Bluebell, yeah, that was a really good game. Queen's Park were dominant, but just so wasteful in the night, weren't they? they yeah. Um, I mean, in this game against a higher standard of opposition, they would need to be a lot more ruthless. Probably won't see as much of the ball, but, um, you know, at Hamden, you know, they, they both fancy giving Queen of the South a, a good game, I'm sure. I mean, a, a good test for them because when you look at it, their squad, there's a lot of kind of players that could be playing in the championship. So, I, I think they'll fancy their chances. Uh, yeah, yeah. That. Um, and then there's obviously a couple of ties to be decided midweek. Uh, yeah, well, so. that, I, I'm, I've actually got a pretty vested interest in one of them because um, it's going to potentially determine where I go on Saturday. All right, okay. <laughs> I'm looking uh, for Brora against Camelon tomorrow night. Um, it's a game that's going to hopefully go ahead at the fifth time of asking. It was <laughs> abandoned after 45 minutes on Boxing Day uh, just due to the conditions at uh, Camelon's ground. But it's actually been, well, ahead of tomorrow night's game, it's been, uh, the venue's been switched to uh, Denny Pace's ground um, in Denny. Yeah. Westfield Park, I think. So it's an AstroTurf surface there. But um, it's, uh, I mean, I mean, the game was due to go ahead at Camelon's ground in the previous three dates where uh, where match has been postponed due to the due to the conditions. But no, it's hopefully going to go ahead at the fifth time of asking tomorrow. And if Brora can get through that, then they'll host Hearts on Saturday. So. You know, the incentives there, not just for Brora, but for Camelon as well. And I was speaking to Brora manager Stephen Mackay earlier today, and, you know, he, he's not taking it lightly at all because I think it was difficult to glean too much from the, the 45 minutes of football that was played because of the conditions. But, yeah. um, you know, he could sense that Camelon were, were really well up for that one. And that was before the Hearts incentive came into play. The draw was made the following day, I think. So, um, you know, that. The prize is, is very much there for for both clubs, and um, I think Brora will fancy themselves against you know any non-league opposition. Just you know, given how dominant they've been in the Highland League, uh, very free-flowing team with lots of goals in them. But you know, just with the way conditions might be, AstroTurf pitch, which they're they're not used to, but again, it might suit them given the way that they play. Um, you know, it's got the makings of a, an interesting one. Obviously, the uh, the other one tomorrow night that will hopefully go ahead is Huntley at home to Cumbernauld Colts. But uh, I think there's a bit of doubt about that one as well. Um, there was talk of other venues maybe being looked at because I don't think Christie Park's holding up too well. 
So it's all a bit of a scramble just now, really. Aye. Um, well, you, you'll be pleased to know anyway with the Scottish Cup being on, there's no predictions game for you to have to take part in this week. Is there not? Uh, uh, which is good, yeah. We'll not uh, do it in the Cup. We'll take a break from it. Um, uh, my, last, my last one was... Uh, I was perilously close to getting one spot on. It was the yeah, Andy, yeah. I think. Uh, no, no draw between Partick and Falkirk. There was a goal out on that one, and I can't remember what the other game was. Oh no, it was postponed, wasn't it? It was Morton Inverness. Uh, yeah, because we had the same situation the weekend. We had, um, I'm trying to think which game was postponed. Killed and Beefhead by City, I think. Yeah. yeah, it was postponed because um, we'd gone for Queen of the South in the air and Montrose and Forfar, but. We'd both, I think we'd both gone for Queen of, uh, Queen of South to get beat by AR, and we'd both gone for Montrose to win, but um, yeah, just so it was a draw at the weekend anyway. So Alan right. Graham still sits three up. With that. Well, it's a, there's a long way to go just yet. Aye, it's up. Yeah, aye. Um, so I think we've managed to cover a bit, and I was wanting to cover for this week. I think I don't think I missed out anything. Um, right. Yeah. It's that's, a weird one because the podcast sometimes have been a bit long recently, but this one uh, is kind of shorter. Uh, but, uh, uh, keep, it, keep it to a short and snappy hour and 15 minutes, I think, is it? <laughs> aye, I think so, yeah, which is still pretty long anyway, but uh, uh, pleasure having you back on again, Andy. Pleasure being on. Uh, thanks again for the shout. Um, aye, thank you for putting up with just me and my not-so-very-dulcet tones. Uh, uh, a bit different from last time when there were three of us to <laughs> it's, it's good to hear someone that's actually been to games recently it's, it's a, a novelty it's certainly not something that I've been taking for granted in any way and certainly waiting on you know the Scottish Government announcement yesterday it did have eerie shades of March again just with the way yeah. things in the way that the you know the, the stay at home message was being reinforced um, you know it, it really it did seem as if the writing might be on the wall Maybe not so much for the Premiership, but I kind of feared a bit for the the lower leagues where there isn't the testing. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, it seems as if you know the, the clubs are going to be trusted to to keep things going for now, anyway. Yeah. Um, which I think is a probably a measure of how you know how better an understanding clubs across the board have, have developed over how to. How to operate during these times and, and you know what they have to do. I think a lot of work's gone into that. And you know, although there have been, you know, mistakes along the way, and you know, there there have been outbreaks as well. You know, sometimes the outbreaks are, you know, completely out with the club's control and it's 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 more yeah, you know, life stuff away from football, football, yeah. Rather than football being the, the root cause of it. So I think um, I think the clubs deserve the chance to to keep things going for just now, and hopefully we can see some some light at the end of the tunnel. Because I think football's got a huge role to play in you know uplifting the nation just now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, just to have that that Saturday fix for so many people, just to get them through yep. you know, the, the working week, which for most of us is going to be from home just now. Yeah. Um, just something to get excited about at the weekend is going to be huge. Aye, something for us to get excited about and complain about at the same time, but... Yeah. Aye, well, we missed it. That's all about. But aye, no, thanks again, Andy, and we'll speak to you soon, OK? Pleasure, John. Cheers, Thanks Andy. Cheers, cheers. cheers.